the book of Joshua ends with the people vowing to put away all of their idols and serve God wholeheartedly. The book of Judges is the story of how that vow was broken again and again in succeeding generations. So when we read Judges, we can't but help but be incredulous at the foolishness of the nation's cycle of idolatry, how they abandon or neglect God, and how God allows them to become subject to foreign oppressors, and how they cry out to God in their desperation, and how he raises up a leader to deliver them how they are freed and then give thanks and how the cycle starts all over again. So then we remember that our own stories, personal, family, are just as repetitive. We cry out to God in times of trouble. Somehow he gets us out of it or brings us through. We give him thanks for a brief moment and then we get ourselves into trouble again. This cycle in Judges is all too familiar. And in the midst of all this spiritual dysfunction, we encounter some of the Bible's most colorful characters. From some, we learn more about what we not to do rather than what we should. But either way, we learn nonetheless. The first judge, Othanel, a relative of Caleb's, becomes a deliverer because the Spirit of God is upon him. The next judge, Eliud, stealthily kills Moab's leader and uh, before rallying Israel's warriors to battle, we learn from Deborah, the first judge, to whom scripture devotes significant space that God is not reluctant to use a valiant woman to represent him. And we learn from Gideon that God is not also not reluctant to call a fearful, unassuming man a mighty warrior and to do extraordinary things through him. And that God prefers to receive glory for himself than to have men usurp it through their own efforts. Now, as negative examples, one of Gideon's sons establishes his power through violence. A judge named Japheth uh, keeps a horrible vow by killing his own daughter. And a well-known judge named Samson lives out a long, a lifelong holy vow and in some very unholy ways. And yet God works through him to overcome the Philistine oppressors. The book of Judges gives us an overall impression that God can accomplish his purposes through very flawed people simply because they are chosen by him, even if their faith is not very solid at times. Now, some judges become leaders almost by default, and yet despite their flaws, they do lead the people. In many respects, the leadership vacuum we see in Judges and are all the characters that fill it are a result of Joshua's generation failing to fully take the land. They did not completely drive out the Canaanite inhabitants. There are varying explanations of this. And in Joshua chapter 23, at the end of Judges chapter 2, we're told that the hostile tribes were left in the land because the Israelites have fickle, compromising hearts. And the beginning of Judges chapter 3 uh, says it's because God wanted to give the next generation experience in war. Now, either way, this remains within the, they remain within the promised land. And, more, and this provides the context for Israel's relationship with God. There's a gap between the people who said that they would worship him wholeheartedly and the God 
who said that welfare in the land was conditional on their devotion. Uh, they need leadership and they don't try often enough to find it in God. You see, Judges sets up a major historical transition found in the next section of the Bible, the kingship of Israel. The writer of the Chronicles seems to lament the lack of leadership in Israel, pointing out that everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. 